After four long years of fan outcry and demand, Warner Brothers and HBO Max have finally released the Snyder Cut. The four-hour-long epic delivers Zack Snyder's original vision for the Justice League film that we would have gotten back in 2017. After building hype for all this time, was it worth the wait? Join us in today's episode as we dive into Zack Snyder's Justice League. I'm Jose Lopez, and this is Nerdcraft Nation. Welcome back to Nerdcraft Nation. This episode, we'll discuss the long-awaited myth of the cut that didn't exist, but actually came to fruition. That's right, we're talking the Snyder Cut. I'm your host, Jose Lopez, and with me we have Brandon Cassidy. Hey, everybody. And Chris Walker. Hey, hey. And joining us for this very special episode, we got our special guest, Jeff Akins. What's up, guys? How you doing? And we also have joining us, Siobhan Agarajan. Thanks for having me. Thank you guys for joining us on this episode. <laughs> now, a little bit of the background for the Snyder Cut for our listeners here. So this this was the original cut of the Justice League movie that was supposed to come out in 2017 before it got reshot and reworked by Josh Whedon that came in when Zack Snyder had to step out for personal reasons. And the film ended up disappointing a lot of people when it came out theatrically and fans claimed that there was a better version out there that existed. WB denied the existence of it for the longest time until finally Zack Snyder just said it does exist, it's real. And thanks to HBO Max and being the perfect storm of the pandemic and needing more content, the Snyder Cut finally came to be and hit streaming services on March 18th. So I want to get some general thoughts on the movie. Shiva, since you're the only one with a unique perspective on this, who has only seen the Snyder Cut and not the theatrical cut, I want to get your takes on the movie. What were your general thoughts on Justice League? So I would say I loved it overall. A critique I would have is that this is not really Snyder's fault. This is more of WB's fault or DC's fault, I guess, for kind of not having a cyborg solo movie or a Flash solo movie before this movie. So it almost felt like in some of the beginning parts of the movie when they were introing Cyborg and Flash, it was almost like mini movies, especially the Cyborg part, but like a 15 or 20 minute mini movie about Cyborg that could have been in a Cyborg solo movie before the Justice League, I felt like. But given the fact that Snyder couldn't really do that, he had to work with what he had to work with, I felt it was a great job. And what I've heard about the original one is that they didn't even intro Cyborg and Flash properly. So for them to do that definitely was good. I would say Flash was kind of the heart of this movie and Cyborg was the soul. I loved how all six characters had their role to play. Going into this movie, I wasn't sure if Flash and Cyborg, uh, you know, teaming up with much bigger superheroes like Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, whether they would be kind of be put to the side. But honestly, all six characters had their role to play in this movie and in the final fight. It didn't feel like anybody was kind of doing nothing, which is honestly great. I'll just mention one of my favorite parts was the history lesson near the beginning of the movie. It felt very like Lord of the Rings-esque, telling the story about how Darkseid was defeated the first time with, you know, all those great gods and everything. That was a sixth scene visual 
visually and from a story perspective, it made the scale of the movie feel that much more epic and bigger. One thing I was a little surprised by was how little Darkseid appeared. Later on, I read that Darkseid didn't even appear, which I didn't even know that. But, you know, having no knowledge of the first movie, I kind of thought for whatever reason, I guess because it's four hours long, I was comparing this more to like Endgame or something. I thought it was more like, you know, Steppenwolf is going to start off being the guy. But similar to like Thanos getting all six Infinity Stones, I thought something like that was going to happen like halfway through, to be honest, with Darkseid being the main villain. But that's not the case at all. It's more like Avengers 1, honestly, where it's like Loki's the villain and Thanos barely appears for like two minutes at the end. That's what Darkseid's appearance was. It wasn't a bad thing, though. I really enjoyed the movie still. It just kind of threw me off because I wasn't expecting it, given my limited knowledge of the original movie. I did have a little bit of an issue feeling the stakes and feeling like this was a big deal. I know technically the world's going to end and that's a big deal. But if you compare it to even Man of Steel, like Man of Steel, it's a smaller threat, but it's in the city. There's regular civilians everywhere. Stuff's getting damaged. That's even why Bruce Wayne ends up hating Clark Kent. It really feels like everyone's there. Everyone knows what's happening. It almost makes the stakes feel bigger. Technically here, the world's going to end, but like it's just the six heroes fighting against Steppenwolf. And it's like, you know, does anybody in the rest of the world even know that the world is about to end? Like, so from a stakes perspective, I did feel that a little bit being like, I don't really feel the urgency of the stakes here. But you know, that was kind of a minor critique. I guess overall, I would say really liked it. And you know, you really like a movie when it's going on for four hours and it doesn't feel that long. I never felt the length even one. I was never like, when is this going to end? I was just enjoying every moment. So that's how you'd really know you you love a movie. So that's, I guess, my take from that unique perspective. Thank you for sharing, Sheila. Really nice to hear a fresh perspective. And thank God you didn't have to suffer through the 2017 version for the first experience. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Let's see. Jeff, as our other guest star, what were your takes on the Snyder Cut? Okay. First and the foremost is before I even got a chance to see the movie, four hours is a long goddamn time. I was like, Jesus, this is a whole event. I actually had to section off a part of my day because I usually don't just have four hours just like dipped in unless it's in on the weekend. So I was like, all right, this is my Friday night. So (laughs) here's how I really felt about it. I liked the plot, I guess. I liked that we finally got to see what was actually happening. There wasn't really just like the people just showing up, you know, like you said, like Cyborg and Flash just kind of popping up out of nowhere and be like, hey man, the world's going to end. Like we got to go. It's like, all right. The first thing is I had forgotten how badass Wonder Woman is at the start of this movie because like you talk about stakes, man. If you've seen Wonder Woman, like the second one, 1984, good Lord, the woman is saving kids in a mall. And here she's like just battling all these terrorists, like stopping bullets, just it's some crazy stuff. And you're just like, this is what a superhero is really supposed to be doing. That's like, wow. And you're like, okay, I forgot about this. I love like that Cyborg kind of like had his own little story in this. You finally like see what's going on with him. It really makes me think that if they had actually done, you know, maybe a Flash movie or something like that, they could have possibly spent more time on Cyborg because I don't really mind having him like show up in the Justice League movie, especially if, now that we see he had a much more fleshed out story. I think there's nothing wrong with introducing a character, you know, with all these other people alongside him in these high stakes, as long as all the other people are really explained. And I think Flash deserved a little bit of that. And especially, you know, I mean, how Flash's story is so much more in-depth than it is versus the 2017 version. He basically doesn't really do anything at the end of the 2017 movie. And he's kind of the linchpin of the end of this movie. And it's like, oh, huh, maybe it would have been cool to see his motivations, see this skills that he has developed developed in a different way because you know he makes a few comments to himself and he's like oh like about oh, i gotta break the rule and all this stuff and you're just like okay man what are you talking about we don't know anything about yeah what's the rule what's the yeah. one rule man 
So maybe if you had your own movie before this, that would have been cool. Mm-hmm. One of my big gripes of the movie is Darkseid got his ass whooped way too easy. Way <laughs> too easy. I can't Thank support you. this. I can't support it. He has to be Superman tier villain. You know what I'm saying? Like there is at no point where he should have been getting chopped with any type of bladed weapon and getting cut with anything. This man should have been indestructible, unstoppable. Everybody who goes head to head just gets molly whopped. And, you know, they make it by by the skin of their teeth. None of this. We came together. Kumbaya bullshit. We made it to the end. I'm trying to see Darkseid murder rocking bulls. Like, you need to set tiers of these villains so people recognize what they do. You can look at Marvel. You can really get an idea of, like, establishing how strong people are. It's like, you meet Thanos for the first time. What's, like, the first thing he does? He's got Thor gripped up by the neck, murders Loki, beats the shit out of the Hulk. You're like, all right, cool. Clearly, nobody's just running up on this dude because you it just doesn't work so now you got to think of something else and i didn't get that feeling from dark side and i feel like if superman just ran up on this dude it was like look bull I'm, you gotta stop he would probably be like you're right i'm going back home <laughs> like another blessing in nazi in 2017 but it's also a curse because it's like stephen wolf he got his ass whooped in the first movie but god damn did he get his ass whooped by superman in this job like no respect none he swing that for like half a second superman eats it he's like bye and it's like damn stephen wolf i'm sorry we'll move on like yeah. well, on the plus side you can really see why they wanted superman back in this yeah movie. right yeah <laughs> man if i was batman i wouldn't have been doing shit but trying to get superman back i would be like yo we need to chalk all resources somebody do something get superman back start some cloning projects real <laughs> shit like something mm-hmm. yeah like, and i guess it, going back to your dark side point jeff i think the way that snyder explained it was that in the history lesson that was ook says the young version of dark side so he doesn't even have omega beans at that point mm. so i guess that's his excuse of like oh dark side isn't so op just yet but mm, he's a young know. bull yeah that's the excuse uh, for it i don't know i mean i guess that works i'm not the dude who decides how strong dark side is at any age so i guess if that's how they say it works it's how it works but i don't think he should be getting chopped up with axes they should have just let somebody punch him or something don't be cutting him up and having him look like he has died on the ground i don't support that but i love the anti-life equation that was sick i support that that was cool because i remember when i saw the 2017 version i was like why the fuck are they smacking the ground i was like the fuck is going on <laughs> <laughs> it's like you just hit the ground to just do this shit. You make it erupt. Like, why is this happening? Like, there's no lava here. It's just like, I don't know. Maybe I was a little too overanalyzed, but I was just like, this doesn't make any goddamn sense. But now it makes a lot of sense. I was like, oh, there's some bullshit happening. Okay. Now I get it. Yeah. A lot of things made more sense here for sure. Yeah. So that's cool. There's like no jokes in this one. This is interesting. You watch the first one. That's the one's an odd thing I noticed. The first one seems more campy. It's like very campy. Josh, we definitely got his rewrites yeah. in there. Yeah, so, but we're enjoying it. I liked it overall. It's hard to get it. The runtime, four hours is a long time. I don't really blame Snyder because the man did what he had to do with what he had and <laughs> he did a really good job. So it was fun. You know, I wouldn't mind seeing something else related to it. And if they decide to continue on, I won't be opposed. All right. Thanks, Jeff, for that. Brandon, let's get your thoughts on the Snyder cut. Okay. First and foremost, I have to go on record and say that I apologize. I have slandered Zack Snyder for eight <laughs> Eight years. You have. I have slandered him on this very podcast multiple episodes, probably in a row. 
But when I say that, you know, despite whatever nitpicks and criticism I have, that I thoroughly enjoyed this movie, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. This is the first Zack Snyder movie I've enjoyed since I first watched the first 300 movie. And I feel like he really just brought his A-game here. He's a very long-form kind of director and storyteller. And I feel like that's not something that usually works with superhero stories a lot of the times. And that's why I feel like a lot of times his movies have tended to drag on. But for this one, it was absolutely necessary, as has been discussed so far, because it really helped flesh out these characters that didn't have movies already. And I think that he appropriately focused on these newer characters because, you know, you got stuff for Aquaman. You got better stuff for Flash. You got an entire freaking intriguing arc for Cyborg to the point that I understand Ray Fisher being mad now, especially because he really was the glue of this movie. He's almost the main character. Yeah, yeah. and he got fucking robbed in the 2017 one. Dude, especially like, I feel that, man. He's like an entire aspect of the whole end part with him just doing ah, that's crazy yeah honestly if you watch the joss version you can cut him out of that movie and it's the same movie for this if you cut him out of this one this movie makes no sense yeah 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 he really ties this movie together but yeah like i think the main character development was just you know for the long form storytelling that you get i think the main character development just really works like everyone is fleshed out everyone's motivations are there their motivations might not necessarily be all be the best but you at least understand where everyone's coming from steppenwolf Mm. has an actual arc he's not running around saying mother like, like for the entire fucking movie he's not Buster Bluth this time yeah you know he has purpose you know yeah it's weird to say this I was happy to, to have Zack Snyder in the cinematography that he brings back you can just really see the way that he appreciates all the superheroes and all the characters and how their powers work like he usually approaches this stuff from a standpoint that these characters are powerful and the, the running theme that he's had is that they are effectively demigods they're Olympians with new clothing modern and mythology modern mythology exactly like Jeff was saying like even in the 2017 version my favorite sequence was the wonder woman sequence in the beginning and in this one it's just very clear how much more powerful she is just looking at the differences between the way that they did that same sequence in the snyder cut versus the whedon version the whedon version she is like vulnerable and like she gets hit and everything and like that this one's flawless she went through she blocked all that shit she she, like blew a man's head off and like (laughs) she like blew up a bomber and like busted a a hole in the wall and then she turns to the little girl and the girl's just like can i be you when i grow up she's like you can be whatever you want to be and i I jumped out of my chair i was like thank you that's wonder woman yeah like, but in her mind she was like no bitch i'm special he was like actually you have to be an amazon <laughs> you can be president though but you just can't be me <laughs> Like Snyder, like one thing I have to give him credit for again, he is always respected Wonder Woman. He hasn't treated her like a piece of ass the way that Joss Whedon did. Mm-hmm. And like, like she he didn't just treat like, her like a pussy like Patty did. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of Lord of the Rings energy in large battles, like we said. And the characters that actually got to do something in this movie in terms of having powers like the superheroes and like Silas Stone and stuff like that. We got a little cameo from the Atom at Star Ryan Labs. Brian Choi was there. All these characters were competent, you know, like the Amazon. Amazons and Atlanteans actually fought. Like you get to see that the Amazons did a lot more oh, yeah. to try to protect the mother box than I realized that it was just cut out of the movie. Mm. The Atlanteans even tried. Hell, freaking Mir- Mirak got in there with throwing hands. Yeah. He's putting up a fight. Flash does more and he's a more competent member of the team. Aquaman is not a surfer, bro. He actually has like stuff to do and like he actually has emotions and stuff like that. Sure, he's like, kind of like broody and being like, okay, yeah, no, like standoffish a bit. But when he speaks his mind, he speaks his mind. And then like his relationship with Cyborg is different. The way that the new characters interact, everyone's different. There's yeah. no forced conflict. Everyone feels like they're actually trying to work together and 
and be a team because they realize that even if the audience might not necessarily feel that the, the stakes are there, the characters themselves feel it and they at least sell that. Like with the Whedon version, it just felt like there's always some kind of force conflict in his movies, as we've seen in both Avengers movies and in the, the 2017 cut of this movie. For things I didn't really like, the runtime, of course, is still long. I think they said that there's like basically a half hour of this movie is just slow-mo. Yeah, like, like four minutes. It's just slow-mo. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> literally, literally, it's like, like like literally like 24 minutes and something and like seven seconds of some shit is like all slow-mo. That's already adding half hour to the runtime. And then there's like a bunch of other scenes that were like maybe overindulgent that could have been cut down. We had the random thing when Aquaman swims off and then the, that girl just starts singing a song. Oh and I was my like, God, that was so weird. I was like, this is both weird and interesting at the same time. I don't know which one I, I feel more, but. Yeah, Shiva Grun runs up and like smells his shirt afterwards. Yeah, like, yeah. this is so fucking weird. <laughs> This is the only cut that I agree with Joss Whedon on. Yeah. And then, like, also him, like, drinking the, the, uh, the whiskey. And, but a lot of the brooding and stuff like that, they could have probably cut some of that stuff. But, you know. And, you know, the Return of the King style triple epilogue is also another half hour of the movie. Like, come on now. Yeah. Like, I know Snyder doesn't like to do post-credit scenes, but this is a clear example when you do that. Yeah. I think I already talked about the slow-mo, but yeah, it's overused. I think it really was mostly appropriate with the Flash because, you know, his character moves so fast, kind of like Quicksilver in the X-Men movies where they slow down time to show everything that yeah. he does. I don't it know, man. I like when speedsters are shown real time. It's fun. It's absolutely fun. Because yeah. every speedster's in slow-mo. Yeah. Again, Zack know. Snyder just uses the slow-mo to like try no to like Aquaman deliver that. Solo. Cut all Aquaman slow-mos. Easy. <laughs> Simple. True. Yeah. There True. you go. That's got to be yeah. 10 minutes right there. That's fair. <laughs> The supporting cast outside of maybe Cyber Stone. Lois Lane, I mean, it's realistic to have her going through a grief. That's her entire arc, the whole movie. She doesn't really do anything. Like in the old cut, she went to work. In this one, she's basically on extended bereavement leave. Mm. And then like Martha Manhunter comes to like try to talk her back into coming back, going back to work. Dude, I love and it's just like She's so it's like, okay. Yeah, but I mean, like, like it was Martha, right? So it was like, Martha Manhunter comes oh. in and it's just like, oh, yeah. Bitch, so get you back should... to work. <laughs> get your lazy ass back to work, woman. Come on. Basically, it's like, okay, like, that could have been a cool moment for Martha and Lois to bond. And also, they could have probably done more with those characters if they're going to have them, especially because Lois actually showing up in the Superman fight made a lot more sense this time instead of just her magically showing up, like being I, a living plot device. I don't know. I always support Lois Lane as a living plot device because that is her literal job. Her character is built around being a plot device. She has no other use. They no. could change that, though. All they have to no. do is write it. All they have to they do is do something with it. They can write it, but Lois Lane can always be a plot device. If she chooses to be, she can. She is always welcome to just show up. <laughs> if you need Superman to do something stupid and for him to stop, just send in Lois Lane. It's the best thing that ever happened to writing. <laughs> the Lois Lane. That's the easy mode. <laughs> easy mode. Yeah. The easy mode, damsel in distress. <laughs> I mean, that flat out happens in, like, the opener for Batman versus Superman to <laughs> whisper something and all of a sudden Superman's out here killing warlords in Africa, right? Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. No, you're right. You're right. I love it. You're right. Before I drag this on too long, the CGI was hit or miss on this one, especially when it came to like the holograms. And I think there were some portions where the mother boxes were coming around. You also had Steppenwolf report to decide twice, like every time you got a mother box. And it's like, do you really need to do that? But also the soundtrack was also really hit or miss. Like Too sometimes you just have this roll. weird opera. It's like it was like opera meets rock and roll meets. I think it annoyed me the film. most. Every time Wonder Woman showed up, you had the lady. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, no, I love that. Stop. No. 
know. I love that shit so much. It reminds me of Uncle Ruckus in the Boondocks. He has the horns. This is I love that shit so much. It's the best. It's like it's just like Wonder Woman. It's like some absurd fucking chanting. Oh, I, I live the lamented music, as they called it in the soundtrack. <laughs> Oh, oh my god, that's what that's called. They're actually calling it that? Yeah, that's what it's yeah. called when you put it in the subtitles. Lamenting music starts playing. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah, okay, I feel like I'm... I would have been fine with it if it happened once or twice, but literally every fucking time, the woman's making tea and this shit's playing. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm done, though. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Brandon, for your thoughts. Chris, let's go with you. What were your thoughts on this movie? So I had, like, a nice six hours to kill on a Saturday, so I watched the original Jesus. Joss Whedon theatrical version and then this one, and honestly, this one just makes more fucking sense. Like, yeah. from start to finish, the, everything just connects a lot better. Like, in Joss Whedon, I said it before that you could cut Cyborg out in this movie is the same movie. You could cut Cyborg and his father out of that movie, and it makes more sense. But in this one, you need them because they're so grounded in there. Joe Morton as Silas Stone is honestly the only way that I can see that character. But so it, the man it has makes, an act for building robots that the, will the man start has the an act for building drama and just being a negligent father. <laughs> so true. He didn't hit it, build Cyborg. That's true. Honestly, it, this movie just makes way more sense than the original one because everything in the original one just jumps and then there's a joke and it jumps to something else and then there's a joke. And like that shit is just so unsustainable for an entire movie. But people went and watched it and it made almost $700 million. I feel bad every time I think about it. And, but this one, even though it's four hours and I don't know, what do you cut from this movie in order to get it within like at least three hours? other than just shaving off like slow-mo time. You could trim little things here and there. Well, I think what a lot of people have been saying, and, and I actually originally felt this way after I watched it, before I kind of read some stuff and thought about it some more, is almost the entire epilogue just feels unnecessary because it's trying to set up other movies that might never happen. But to be honest, yeah. I feel like that's like the number one most obvious spot. Literally just cut the whole epilogue, period. That's 30 minutes. But I also, like kind of thinking about it the after the fact... epilogue is 30 minutes? Jesus Christ. Yeah, it is 30 uh, minutes. Yeah. It is 30 minutes. Yeah, it was 3.30. It was 3 hours and 30 minutes in that the word epilogue shows up on the screen. But I'll tell you this. I actually thought about it some more and if... Snyder never gets to continue if the Snyder verse is not restored then it was actually a good move to put this stuff here so we can at least see some glimpses of it so I actually am happy at the end of the day happy he included it just so we can see some of that stuff in case he never gets to continue but that I feel like the most obvious spot I always say you can always chalk every Martian Manhunter scene have him meet Superman at the end be like some dude Superman knows transforms into Martian Manhunter black screen boom okay I can see that now does the exact same thing as every single other scene with yeah like him being Martha kind of undercuts the whole scene between him and Lois. Yeah. I mean, Martha and Lois. Is he the only Martha? Is the other Martha dead? Like, did he murder no, no, no. the other Martha? I think she's definitely real, but she isn't the one who visited Lois. I don't think she's going to show up at the farm. It's like, oh, it's like, mom, why does your voice sound deeper? What's going on? <laughs> No, but you said, like, he could just show up at the end and be someone Superman knows. He is someone Superman knows. He's Swanwick from exactly. Man of Steel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he has to just show up, and, and Superman thinks it's Swanwick, and then Swanwick, the Secretary of Defense, and then he can just reveal, yo, I'm actually Martian Manhunter. That's true. Damn, what if Superman yeah. just lays him? like, damn, you a super secret alien? Psst. It's like, where the fuck were you when Doomsday was happening and right. when Zod attacked? This motherfucker just chilled out the whole Man of Steel and BBS. I, I don't know. He That's was true. a little shaky. His CGI yeah. was 
shaky. I oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah when I first saw it, I was like, ooh. All the CGI this yeah. Was just hard. I guess all yeah, the CGI budget went to Steppenwolf's armor because, damn. This... Oh, yeah. <laughs> they were like, everybody else, uh, y'all. Yeah, we're Real not gonna spend shit. any of this seventy million that we got from WB on that. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, the nightmare scene was the one scene that was the one new scene that they shot. Yeah, I think it was that, and then Martian Manhunter was the only new stuff that they brought in. <laughs> what a waste of yeah. that Martian Manhunter scene! Uh, like, imagine shooting a scene that's so <laughs> irrelevant. But anyway, so on the nightmare scene, what exactly is the timeline of the two nightmare scenes? The one in this one and Batman vs Superman. I'm assuming this one has to happen before, right? Because that one shows Batman dying. I think so. Yes, and because the Joker card so i think batman already has the joker card on his gun in the nightmare scene in bvs and here we see him get it from joker oh that's interesting i didn't even notice that yeah that makes sense yeah i would say truthfully that nightmare scene would have been a great cold open for the second justice league movie that we know that we wouldn't get but it didn't necessarily need to be in this one you know if snyder was to continue and if he actually got to do the theatrical cut i think that Uh, would have been a great scene to just have for the cold open for the second movie instead of just like throwing it in as an end sequence or like a post-credit scene or something like that I'm guessing he threw it in just for fan service because he doesn't feel like he's yeah. going to get the shot. Yeah, he just went all in on this one, threw everything in the kitchen sink in here because he figured like, yeah. I don't know if I'm ever going to come back, so fuck it. Here's four hours. No deleted scene for this shit. Here's everything. This feels like this was just the deleted scenes integrated into this movie, though. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. like, like pretty much. That's yeah. the point of this movie, to integrate yeah. deleted scenes and then just throw in some extra stuff that he had in his original script and just needed to reintegrate it because he was like, Joss, you cut out too much shit on this one man come on yeah to replace it with a russian family that doesn't matter yeah pretty much. all right chris do you have any last thoughts on snyder cut ray fisher got done right yeah justice yeah, for ray fisher yeah justice for ray fisher mm-hmm. yep. so my overall thoughts in this movie well first of all the aspect ratio thing was kind of dumb in the first place like snyder mm-hmm. sir you were promised hbo max not imax he formatted this thing in that aspect ratio because you thought it would look cool in imax well guess what motherfucker I don't have an IMAX screen in my living room. I have a regular TV like everybody else. So how about format it in that way? And then if you get an IMAX release, format it this way if you want to. But I would have preferred a larger normal aspect ratio, 16 by 9. But yeah, you know, after a while, it didn't bother me as much. Other than that, yeah, I thought this movie was well more thought out than the Frankenstein monster that we got back in 2017. Flash is a lot more interesting. He didn't joke about brunch 50 times like in the Whedon cut. He wasn't as cringy, at least. He did have a few jokes, but at least they landed better this time and I think that was just the right amount of jokes in here like we've said before Martian Manhunter did not need to be in this fucking movie they could have saved him for a sequel or another movie later on like I feel like I have less issues with this one just little nitpicky things here and there like oh this scene could have been trimmed a little more the Icelandic woman singing and yodeling randomly and sniffing an Aquaman shirt that could have been easily cut out of the movie just little things here and there that could have been tightened up and you could have still gotten like a decent three hour movie out of this so if anything I'm just baffled why Warner Bros would think it'll be better yet to bring in Josh to ham it up and make this more campy than just to trim what you already have since it already works so well with the story you're telling. I understand why they brought Josh Whedon. I don't understand why he made so many changes that were so completely unnecessary. I guess it's yeah. just ego at this point. Just like I got to throw my Whedonisms in there. It's some quips here oh, and yeah. there. People saying jokes nonstop. But yeah, yeah, I understand why Josh Whedon was brought uh-huh. in. Just not why he changed so goddamn much. Dude, that Pet yeah. cemetery joke was funny, though. I don't care. <laughs> That shit made me laugh. I was that, that I was like, ah, uh, I'm a chuckle. I get 
a feeling that Snyder also is Loki trolling us to saying like, oh, no, I don't think I'm ever going to come back to DC. I don't know. But then this motherfucker added in like all these extra scenes that kind of set up other sequels. It's like this motherfucker, he knows that people are going to demand sequels. Like you have all these big cliffhangers. And now, as we know, the hashtag restore the Snyderverse has been trending on Twitter. You will this cut into existence through persistence. You motherfucker, you know what you're doing. You want these sequels to happen. You want the Snyderverse to continue. You're just being coined like, oh, no, I don't know if it will continue. I I mean, he really had people in their feelings to the point where they were like trying to dox studio heads and everything. Yeah, you got Ray Fisher calling everybody on the grandma out. But yeah, I'm really glad Ray Fisher got his due during this movie because damn, they really did him dirty in that theatrical cut. He was basically just like, I think you said it, Chris, like a computer with a head in the theatrical cut. Yeah, he was a computer. (laughs) Basically. And yeah, in this version, we really got to see his character fleshed out a lot better. We really got to see more of what his journey is like. A more Silas Stone, which I'm glad Joe Morton got some good screen time. And what I'm really the most happy about was his scene when he sacrificed himself because in the theatrical cut, I remember that the Justice League kind of just forgot about that last mother box and then just Stephen Gold just came in and zooped it and left and was like, what the fuck? It felt like the Daenerys scene in season eight of Game of Thrones where she just forgot about the Iron Fleet. And then these motherfuckers just forgot about yeah. the last mother box. <laughs> the thing they're supposed to be guarding. But at least in this cut, it made a lot more sense. Like, oh, okay. Joe Warren had the initiative. He went and took it to get it heated up so it's the hottest thing on the planet so it'd be easier to track. Stuff will chases him down and we see him sacrifice himself to basically help the Justice League save the day. I will say this though, that scene of his death scene was, I kind of started laughing out loud. It was such a hilarious looking death scene because <laughs> he just point. sends the laser at the thing or whatever and it starts reflecting everywhere and he just disintegrates. Yeah, like I get that it's supposed to be emotional and like I'm sure at least based on my understanding of the original movie it's much better because he doesn't even die or whatever but like just the way he just disappears like it's like the disintegration is like he just disappears it was like just i don't know visually i found it kind of funny to be honest even though it's supposed to be touching just the way the silas stone visually just what it looked like when he was dying was just like a sudden disappearance like slowly fading out i just found it funny yeah <laughs> also, I was, um, one thing that it reminded me of, which I don't really get, why did Silas have to die? Why didn't, couldn't you just press the button outside of the thing where the mother box was being lasered at? I don't know. I don't know. write this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't he's... rewatched it, so I'm not sure. I don't remember the details of I think he's assuming his death, so he's attempting to ensure the success of the thing as best as he can. That's what oh. I inferred okay. from watching it. Okay, yeah. I'll take that, Jeff. Yeah, that's okay. what I would guess. Yeah. He's like, this yeah. ball is about to fucking rip my ass out my spine or something shit so i might as well make sure <laughs> shit works okay yeah i'll take that he's, he's like i die here or i die out there yeah <laughs> you know, so you yeah know, i feel him. okay yeah <laughs> before we move off the mother boxes topic i actually want to say something when i first watched the movie i think i might have even texted jose this while i was watching it i really felt like especially because first time even watching this movie period either version i really felt like the different security measures of the mother boxes was random like the amazons and atlanteans seem to care so much more about this mother box and like the, the humans just have the randomly in some closet so i found that like hilarious like this is just pathetic this makes no sense either but actually thinking about it later it kind of paid off and what i mean is like the amazons and atlanteans made it obvious where it is like if you build this huge dome obviously everyone's gonna know okay that's where the mother box is that's where you're gonna try to find it so it's like so obvious in the humans case there's no big building protecting the mother box so you have no idea where it is so even if like it's less secure technically it's pretty much impossible to find i feel like so in the end it worked because the steppenwolf 
didn't even get the third mother box until after they were able to tag it with the heat. So honestly, the human security measure of having no security measure, I think paid off for them in the end. <laughs> so it's funny you bring that up, Shiva, because like technically speaking, it was buried and then it was found and then Star Labs got a hold of it. Remember? Because the humans buried it. Like yeah. they didn't build it, like you said, right. But they, so just they basically buried just it buried it and try to forget about it and move on. Yeah. It actually makes it even harder to find because even humans don't even know. You couldn't even torture them to yeah, find exactly. out. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was almost like smart thinking in a way. It's like, all right, Plantians and Amazons are going to guard it with their lives. Humans are just going to bury it and pretend it doesn't exist and forget about it. Yeah, so I've changed my perspective on that. It was a smart way. <laughs> my final thoughts on this movie, I think Ezra Miller did a good job in redeeming himself in this kind. Motherfuckers still can't run. Andy Muschietti, teach this boy how to run. For fuck's sakes. Like, I don't care what the fuck he was doing. Like, Andy Muschietti, you're Argentinian. You know soccer. You know how people should run. Teach this boy how to run. And same thing with Jared Leto. He was a lot better in this movie than in Suicide Squad. He just needs to work on that fucking laugh so he doesn't sound like a dying seagull the whole time. <laughs> Fix that laugh, you better. Yeah, but honestly, it's just less of him is better at that point. Yeah, I agree. I don't know if any of you guys have seen the recent Jared Leto movie that he acts in with Rami Malek and Denzel Washington called The Little Things. It's this police detective movie that was on HBO Max. And I watched it because Jared Leto was nominated for Golden Globe. And I was like, okay, this must be good if he's never watched that movie if you ever see The Little Things. It's so no. bad. I can't believe anybody would nominate him for that. And also, like, Jared Leto just plays one character. It's just some yeah. dude. He's always, always a creepy weirdo. He's always a creepy movie. weirdo just trying to seem edgy and trying too hard to seem edgy. Like, just never watch the little things, all right? My <laughs> advice. Honestly, if we've learned anything from the Emily in Paris controversy of the Golden Globes, it's that they really can be bought. <laughs> anything you offer someone to trip the Paris, they will take it, and they will be bribed easily. That's funny as fuck. All right. So we're going to now move on to favorite moment or character. Jeff, what was your favorite moment or character in this version? Favorite moment let's see i am a sucker for ridiculous epic scenes i did enjoy the history lesson scene i want to think of something that i really i enjoyed more and that was there's like a nice little avengers moment for them like at some point like right at the start of battle at the end of the movie yeah. where we got to see yeah. all of them together and i was like oh that's good it was a much better and well done i think i don't even know if they got one in the first one i actually can't remember because that's just i did not watch the first movie more than once or twice that was probably the best part i think and i enjoyed seeing that and that's the part that really stood out to me just thinking back so that's what i would say nice all right brandon how about you favorite moment or character well i think i already said my favorite moment it, it was definitely the wonder woman bank sequence still seeing that difference in the power and how she's portrayed and no butt shots and just like her using her powers and what the actual after effect because i think when she used her powers they like faded out yeah they faded out in the region in this yeah. one they actually show that yeah she blew a hole in the fucking building she basically disintegrated that guy like yep. he's gone <laughs> powerful um and again her interacting with the kid i just thought that that was a really great moment favorite character though i gotta give it up it was cyborg cyborg i walked away from this movie really intrigued by cyborg and wanting to see a cyborg movie agreed absolutely all right shiva how about you i've got to say my favorite character is batfleck and i really like him as batman i think out of the three movies i mean i've not even seen one of them but i'm sure it was trash in that one since the whole movie is trash out of the three movies he's been batman in this was just incredible and you know i like so many moments about that character yeah. I liked, you know, the weird little ship tease with Diana and like him getting all weird when they're holding hands or whatever. I liked how much he cared about making the team, you know, going to get Aquaman, you know, trying to bankroll Flash, like just putting together a team. He seemed to really care about that team aspect of it. And that brings me to my favorite moment which was, I know it's cheesy and we saw it in the trailer, but I really liked it, which was the quote when he says, he's not gone against us, not us united. I really like that. So favorite character, favorite moment all in one. 
Nice. So, Shiva, you actually bring a really good point with that. And, you know, with Batman being invested in making this team, because it, it's kind of a surrogate family, because, like, we have to remember, in this version, Robin is dead, and there are no other Robins, and there's no Batgirl and stuff like that. So this is basically all he has left. Yeah, really good point. And I think that Ben Affleck, especially in this movie, because I, I mean, I liked the action sequences in BVS and we didn't try to make him into Tony Stark in terms of the Robert Downey Jr. style quipping in the old Justice League movie. But in this one, he really did genuinely feel like Batman. Yeah, yep. definitely. I love it. Good point. All right. Thank you, Shiva. Let's see, Chris, your favorite moment or character. I had a bunch of favorite moments from this. I liked seeing the anti-life equation engraved into the fucking earth. That shows clear stakes at some point down the line and just, I don't know, weighing it a little bit more. And I liked the entire introduction to Cyborg's powers. Like he's genuinely a computer, but also just he can control as many things electronically as he wants to. And that was really impressive. I really enjoyed Joe Morton's take on Silas stone just giving that character a little room to breathe and make it clear that yeah he's a father and he's also just not as invested in his son as his son thinks but he has a heart at the end of the day it's not just like a guy who's just there to do one thing yeah but cyborg overall was my overall was my favorite character just a way better portrayal brandon hit it on the head honestly we've all hit it on the head throughout the description so i don't think this horse needs to be beat anymore (laughs) yeah that's totally fair yeah and i think i agree with you guys my favorite character this time around was definitely cyborg it was like he really got fleshed out so much more compared to the theatrical cut we got to see his origin story which i think made sense for him and happened in this movie since they went with the new 52 version of his origin yeah. where it's kind of tied yeah. to the mother box so it made sense that like he is tied to this mother box so he is relevant to the whole plot at large would have been great to see flash's solo movie come out before the team up but sax and had to make lemons with lemonade so if they forced a cinematic universe on him like two movies in then that's what he's got to roll with but yeah favorite moment the bank robber scene definitely i thought the score was better this time around and then just the action that scene was exactly what wonder woman 1984 needed like we need yeah. more of this wonder woman and clearly i feel like snyder has a better touch when it comes to wonder woman's action scenes like when he worked with patty in the first wonder woman movie that worked out really well there yeah. you can really see the yeah. slow-mo really playing well the action scenes that worked when he wasn't as involved in 1984 we know like Patty, you just went with the Linda Carter kind of campiness action scenes. And that's not what we were feeling right now. We wanted more of that warrior Wonder Woman that we got in this movie. And here she was kicking ass, just deflecting bullets, bam, 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 chopping motherfuckers' heads off, going all in. And yeah, the final battle scene in this movie was so much better than the original version. You actually got to see them collaborate with each other and bounce their powers off each other, whether it's like Aquaman with his trident, Wonder Woman with her bracelets and shield, and Superman swooping in with his freeze breath to kind of kick the things off. Just great interaction between two. And Batman Mm -hmm. also got way more punches to do here in the final battle. He took control of the gun, just like started shooting at motherfuckers instead of just like smiling like, oh, Clark, you're back. Yay. (laughs) And a theatrical cut. He was a lot more useful. Yeah. I think we've talked about it throughout the episode, the comparisons to the 2017 version. There's just so many things that were significantly different. I don't know if there was a specific change that stood out to you guys that you'd like better for those of you have seen it. Brandon, was there something that you thought was significantly better in this version compared to the Joss Whedon version? The motivation for bringing Superman back in that whole discussion entirely. Mm-hmm. And also just the aftermath. Like everything like before, during, and after Superman's return, it just made a lot more sense. Like when they're discussing it 
before, like in the theatrical version, there's a stupid conflict where Batman like jabs at Wonder Woman, you know, and then just kind of like waves it off like, oh, I was trying to motivate you to lead the team. And it's like, it's like, motherfucker, no, you weren't. You're just being a dick. <laughs> yeah. so, so yeah. You're just being a dick and like culturally appropriating the Japanese shit that's in that war room that you're in. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot but, about that war room. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, but like jabbing at her, talking about her, like lamenting over Steve Trevor and stuff like that. It's like that whole conflict was pointless and didn't really need to be there. Like them having actual reasons and just all coming to the same conclusion like oh shit this could bring superman back it just made a lot more sense there was no real conflict over like yeah there was like debate but there wasn't like forced tension for them to like infight over it and people being stupid it was just like for lack of a better term they kept it professional yeah (laughs) like they they literally kept it professional all right thanks brandon jeff anything that stood out to you in this version compared to the joss whedon version or anything you would have liked to see from that version here yes so at the end when they like fail the first time to get that mother box to get like separated or whatever right then when they like open the portal and they look at dark side i got super heavy vibes from the animated dc movie like they first see dark side before he comes to earth and then it goes on that ridiculous to like that apocalypse war movie and that was like i was like oh shit like were they plotting something to that sort because that's kind of the vibe they set like dark side comes to earth and rocks their whole shit out and they gotta like come together and it's like damn i would have signed up for that in two seconds if that's like what they were trying to lead in towards and i got that vibe heavy at that scene and i was like oh wow i remember this scene from that animated movie and i was like this is sick and i was like damn yeah that definitely seems like that's what they were going to lead into because yeah even after the boom tomb closed they were like all right darsha's like okay ready armada we're going to do this the old way we're going to go to earth and get the anti-life equation so yeah fine i'll do it myself (laughs) pretty much (laughs) nice all right, Chris, how about you? Anything that stood out to you from this version compared to the Joss Whedon version or anything you would like to see from that version here? A couple of the jokes could have hung around. Honestly, like just bring throw the Joss Whedon version. Bring back Pet Cemetery. <laughs> yeah, bring back Pet Cemetery. That would have been a joke. But honestly, like just throw that Joss Whedon version out. Like it didn't do enough with how much like room it, he was given and he cut too many things. Like it just yeah. didn't make any sense at the end of the day. And like, I don't know, that guy had too much cultural capital for the shit he was trying to pull yeah yeah they really makes you wonder what were they thinking but i know everyone went through theirs and i know i I never saw that version but before we go to the next topic i actually want to say mine because even though i never saw that movie but there's definitely one scene i've heard about that i'm definitely glad they took out which is when the flash lands on wonder woman's boobs because to be honest joss whedon did the same thing in age of ultron with hulk landing on black widow's boobs and i'm sure that if he had directed wandavision then he would have just made vision land on wanda's boobs (laughs) <laughs> yep would have gone, yeah, yeah, yeah. gone for the hat trick yeah. yeah actually it's funny you mentioned that shiva ray fisher in some of the interviews that he was given as it came out he actually said that he literally plucked that scene out of age of ultron in that basically when joss whedon was doing the reshoots that he was like a fit of rage that people didn't like age of ultron and so that yep. kind of checkered how he shot the justice league reshoots so like he was talking about that and he was saying that like even to the point that joss was calling diana natasha because he was like still in that age of ultron mode and like talking shit about the actors behind their backs and all that stuff it's just he was scorned dude if you're pissed off about backlash from another movie the way to get back into audiences good graces is to do the exact opposite of what you did in that movie not to do the exact same thing no when you're ego tripping you do what you do (laughs) oh man not saying that it's right but when you're ego tripping you do what you do yeah all right now moving on from there so we know that unlike the mcu the dcu has had a very checkered track record when it comes to their movies 
you've had hits and misses across the board. Some was really good, some were not so great. So now I want to see what you guys think of what will be in store next as we go forward into the CEU. We saw the direction that the Suicide Squad taken away from David Ayer's version. They're finally moving forward with the Flash movie after being delayed for so goddamn long. We know we're eventually going to get a Green Lantern show that's going to come out on HBO Max. Still don't know what's going to happen with the movie, if that's going to tie in. But in terms of the Snyderverse, I want to see what you guys think will be in store next for this storyline. Personally, I think that the wisest thing that Warner Bros. could do is, first of all, A, get a Kevin Feige-like figure to sort this shit out. Because it's getting messy. You can't just be making random movies and say multiverse and call it a day. Like, if you want to do a multiverse, you have to set up your core universe first before you branch out into other multiverses. So I think the best course of action they could do is maybe take some of Snyder's original storyline ideas and then maybe they don't have to do exactly what he set out to do. Don't have to go full edgelord and have like fucking Riddler shoot himself in the fucking face in front of Batman after solving the anti-live equation in sequels. But, you know, something that drives this story forward. So that way it rewards fans. Like, what, are they going to stop making Justice League's movie? They'd be like shooting themselves in the foot. That's a billion dollar franchise right here. You got to keep pumping those out. So want to see what you guys think will be in store for the future for the DCEU. Brandon, what do you think? All right. Well, so in truth, I do think they're going to try to course correct. You're right. And I agree that just like the Star Wars sequels, they need an overarching plan. And it seems like, especially with a lot of the news that we've gotten leading up to the Snyder Cut, is that Snyder had a plan. And, you know, we can always debate whether or not we liked all of his ideas, but he had a story arc fleshed out. And a lot of his story ideas ended up helping a lot of these other movies rather than hurting them. Sure. There are some things like Mira's British accent that were stupid. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But that's one thing I'm glad that they got rid of in the both theatrical cut and in the Aquaman movie. Yeah. You know, there are a lot of other interesting elements that they could have worked with, workshopped, well, both worked with, workshopped, and developed into, you know, serious plot points and that could drive other films and, you know, make something consistent. Because at the end of the day, like building a connected universe requires consistency. And you don't get that if you don't have a plan and you don't like storyboard this shit. Like the reason that the MCU works, the reason that the old Bruce Tim DC animated universe works is that they actually plan shit out. The reason why Young Justice works, that they plan this shit out and they try to make sure like, okay, if we set something up, it has to have payoff somewhere down the line. And we need to know what we're moving towards. For the MCU, that was towards Thanos. The DCEU, we're getting a bunch of movies right now. I mean, some things maybe got canceled, right? I mean, Birds of Prey is a one shot. Shazam's getting a sequel plus the Black Adam. Yeah. Cyborg movie is, I don't know if that's going to happen still. Ray Fisher's got to squash his beef with Warner Brothers. So that's effectively canceled. The Batman movie got reworked into the Matt Reeves version. So who knows if now Ben Affleck will want to come back as an HBO Max exclusive or something. Yeah. I I mean, he's supposed to be coming back for the Flash movie, though. Oh, well, yeah, he is. But I'm talking about like his planned solo movie that was like teased at the end of this movie, where like Deathstroke learns of Bruce Wayne being Batman and that sets up that whole fight in his solo movie. Yeah. And that would have been epic. I mean, I would watch that. Yes. Yeah. Joe Mangalano said that it was going to be an action sequence similar to the scene from Arkham Origins. I was like, oh, give me that right now. That shit is dope. That's dope. (laughs) That would have been great. I've seen video of that on YouTube. That is lit. Yeah. I think they're going to try to course correct. I don't know how successful they will be. They need to make sure that they have someone steering the ship, though. They need someone who has that vision and that consistency. And right now, it seems like that might end up being Christina Hodson, interestingly enough, because she's got like two, maybe three movies that she's written at this point. She wrote Birds of Prey. She's writing Batgirl. She's writing the Flash movie, you know, in the similar way that the Russo brothers and Marcus and McFeely took up a a good portion of the MCU. 
she seems like she's doing a lot of stuff that could work. I mean, like Jeff John, I don't know what the fuck he was doing for all this stuff. He was but clearly, he hasn't done jack shit for these movies. Yeah, no, he was wildin'. <laughs> yeah, like he co-wrote Wonder Woman 1984 with Patty Jenkins, and that clearly needed yeah. some rewrites. Oh my yeah, God. yeah, this shit was trash. Yeah, um, I don't know like, if he's you still said attached. It perfectly to... on the Wonder Woman 84 episode that clearly, if you have enough time during a pandemic to do whatever the fuck you want, you could have gone and fixed this shit, but you didn't. You yeah. made that choice. Yeah, <laughs> yep. like he might still be attached to the Green Lantern movie that's coming out. I don't know if that's still the case or not, but we'll see. Wait, they're still doing a movie? Oh, the the Green Lantern Core movie, right? Yeah, but I don't even know if they're still doing the movie. There's been no progress in that in like forever. Because they were holding off on using Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart for that movie and then just focusing on the other Green Lanterns for the show. So I don't even know what's happening anymore, if that's still going forward or if it's just the show. Yeah. Now, I do think Zack Snyder will be back. I don't think he's going to be the person in charge. I think he might get to do another movie or something or maybe even a TV series, HBO Max series or something. And Mm. who knows, maybe that might be where we get to see Batfleck versus Deathstroke? Yeah, I could easily see him like if they do with a Baffleck HBO series, miniseries at least, he can direct a pilot episode or something, who knows? Yeah, like I think he might do something like small projects like that, but the Snyderverse itself is done, but he might get to do some little indulgent projects. I think he has that relationship with the studio, he has that relationship with the fans and with the cast and crew, like they all love him. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly they all love him. (laughs) Which is the most surprising thing to me, like the cast just loves him. Like Ben Affleck recently said, I will do a Batman movie if Snyder directs. Or yeah. Ray Fisher said the same thing. I will do it if either Rick from Wiyima or Sax and I direct a cyborg. Damn, they really love this guy. Yeah. And one of the things that I think they were saying was that he lets them be a part of the creative process and like he'll let them experiment with their roles. He doesn't shut down their ideas. He basically lets them do it. And if it works for the scene, then they keep it basically. If it doesn't, then they go. But like he doesn't like shut down their ideas. He's got an open mind about it. And I think that's Mm. something that I can admit that when it comes to like watching his takes on these heroes, I was guilty of not really having that open mind. And I I can admit to that. All right. How about you, Shiva? Anything you want to see from the DCEU going forward? We're going to talk about the future of the DCEU. As Chris mentioned, I cannot just focus on what we just saw with Snyder Cut. I have to also focus on that Suicide Squad. That is the future of the DCEU. And I mean, it was incredible. And the reason I bring that up is because I actually think Margot Robbie is the best casting the DCEU has ever done. I think she's incredible as Harley Quinn. And I think she was one of the only good parts of the original Suicide Squad. I love Birds of Prey. She was good in this as well as the rest of the cast in this, Elba, Cena, etc. And I'm kind of looking forward to whatever she's in, to be honest. But besides her, coming back to the Justice League stuff, I think that WB would be stupid to not attempt to continue the Snyderverse in some way. I think the Batman versus Deathstroke with Batfleck happening on HBO Max the show is potentially a good idea if they don't want to do it theatrically and to be honest the good thing about HBO is HBO can get big name actors for shows that's never an issue even movie actors will come to do a TV show if it's HBO so that would be epic I think that you know obviously this Flash movie next year is going to be kind of like a Flash point almost who knows how many Batmans are going to be in it is it going to be Keaton is it going to be Batfleck is it even going to have Pattinson in all in the same movie is it going to be like you know three Batmans who knows what's going to happen I do wonder whether (laughs) that could be the opportunity if they kind of change their mind between now and then to them to do something flashpoint wise to make it come back to the Snyderverse somehow even though some of that's been retconned previously if they're smart I would do that one thing I'm still it's an unanswered question and it happened in the canonical universe and I'm still wondering the answer to that question is when Flash goes back in time and in Batman vs Superman he says it's Lois Lane is Lois Lane I feel like that still has to happen at some point so in what movie presumably next year's Flash is that going to happen and what exactly he's going to be attempting to do there when he says that 
that quote to Batman. So I guess that's something I'm interested in as well. So I guess that's general thoughts I have on future of DCEU. Nice. Yeah. I think the Flash scene in BVS, I think Snyder said he was going to pay that off in the Justice League sequel where he goes back in time to warn Bruce about Lois. But yeah, who knows if we'll get that payoff now. Yeah, because that's also part of the epilogue in the Nightmare sequence. Because yeah, Flash is in that suit in the epilogue scene in the Nightmare here. Yeah, plus Superman's holding Lois's charred, disintegrated body like her skeleton, basically. Yeah. So yeah, that was really meant for Justice League sequels and the Snyderverse. So Uh, we'll see where that goes. Jeff, how about you? Any thoughts on the future of the DCEU? I think that they really should just embrace the path that Snyder kind of set forward on it. I mean, I guess we'll see how this, you know, the Flash or the Flashpoint movie, however it comes out and however it culminates, you know, is however it does. But I would like to see them continue on that route. I think it's the most interesting route for them. And I believe that especially you have a nice Flash movie, you somehow let Cyborg have his own film. And one of the things that's interesting about it is that I think especially because one, Superman and Batman are such strong IPs, I feel like you can easily hold on to them for a long time and build stuff around. As much as I would love to see like, you know, Man of Steel 2 or something like that, it doesn't have to happen because we all know who Superman is. We know who the new Superman is. We know who Batfleck is. They take the time. Aquaman's got his movie. Wonder Woman's got that terrible John. And now we need to let Flash get his movie. Let Cyborg have his film. And then at that point, you know, they've already taken the shortcut route. At this point, they just need to start filling in holes because if they sit here and try to slow down too much, I don't know if they're going to be able to keep the pace correct because they seem to have cut a lot of strings in so many different ways. I don't know if the option for them to really spread this out like Marvel did really exists, but I definitely feel like they have the ability to tell an interesting story, just not as long. So I think they still have some juice left in it. I think we'll see some good stuff from the Flash movie. I just want to see them flesh out the characters and then continue on and let us see what they really have. This is the time, you know, to really experiment. Everyone's been home this whole time. If anything, we'll see how successful the Snyder Cut really was and if they can really get something else moving because I would definitely be interested. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think the Snyder Cut's been breaking like streaming records in like Canada and other countries around the world. So it seems like there's a lot of interest going. So we'll see if that'll pay off for them. It would be pretty foolish for WB just to ignore it completely because this is a way that they can compete with Marvel and try out something new. Like if you're going to go full like injustice mode and go really dark with these characters, that's a fresh new take that we haven't seen. You're going to do Legion of Doom. Cool. Marvel hasn't done that yet. Let's go that route. Let's get some like evil Justice League going up in here. Let's try something new so it can feel fresh since DC is the only IP that can go toe to toe with Marvel in terms of like the types of different superhero characters that they have at their disposal. It's true, but they just need to build that up through the movies a yeah. little bit more. Exactly. Yeah. They just need to get their shit together in the movies and yeah. build it from there because they don't have the same issues that Marvel's faced where like another studio owns the rights to this character or they have to share the yeah. rights with some other studio. They literally own all their characters. So get your shit together. Yeah, that's crazy though that yeah. they're playing from behind but they own everything. Like how do you go and fuck up a like a five-step lead? It's because you don't have a Feige. You know, even an Amy <laughs> Pascal or Kathleen Kennedy are better than what yeah. DC has. Is because they have nobody. You have nobody. It doesn't make sense. The one advantage from approach, let's say, standpoint that DC has over Marvel is that they're willing to go rated R and they're willing to go TVMA. Marvel's not doing that. So, like, that's like a whole untapped market, in my opinion, if they can do it right. Like, even this was R. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, that's true. This was yeah. R. Birds of Prey was R. Stephen Wolf was um, chopping motherfuckers yeah. in half. Titans was, yeah. uh... Yeah. The new Suicide like, Squad's R. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, pretty much only Deadpool is R in Marvel and Deadpool's not even in the MCU. Yeah. Not yet, at yeah. least. And, and we're not uh, even sure if they're going to make another rated R Deadpool. 
Well, Kevin Feige said that they will make an exception for Deadpool. Well, if you read between the lines in that Kevin Feige interview, that's true. They will do another R Deadpool, but it also in that interview, notice he only said that they'll make an exception for Deadpool. You know what that means? Yeah. That means Blade is going to be PG-13. Yeah, there was an R-rated exception for Deadpool only. Exactly. So, Blade, I mean, can you imagine Blade not being R? Like, what the hell? Yeah. Like, I think I've uh, told you and Brandon, you and Chris this before, like, how non-R-rated vampire movies typically turn out. <laughs> <laughs> this is also true. They don't do as well as the R-rated ones, because you can't get as much blood and gore. It's a vampire. You, they suck blood. They need to be gory. I mean, you can just make them glittery, and that's how you get some money <laughs> And right that's there. how you get Twilight. <laughs> this is something I've already written about. I've said it again, but I want to see them use more of the IP. I want to see them go into the future a lot more, too. Gee, like, at some point, yeah. you're making TV shows. Make a Legion of Superheroes show. Make a Batman Beyond show. Yeah. Yeah, like, you get all this future state shit. Like, yeah. just do some of that shit that you already have and you've already thought about. Or at yeah. least extend that animated show for Batman Beyond. Like, give yeah. me another season yeah. of that. Maybe we'll yeah. get Batman Beyond with Michael Keaton in the future. Yeah. All right. So before we go into Hot Take City, let's get into some ratings. Jeff, how about you? What would you rate this movie? I wish that they had given it some more support with other films because it's so hard to give some movie that's so long as good a rating as I want to just because of how ridiculous four hours is to sit through anything. If I had to sit on it, though, I'd say seven and a half, like 7.5 out of 10. Not okay. bad. Not amazing. But I definitely enjoyed the movie. Okay. If I had to give it a theatrical code, I'd probably like a five and a half. Five and a half out of 10. Thank you. Shiva, how about you? What would you give this movie? Eight out of 10. Eight out of 10. Okay. Brandon, how about you? Night of Cut rating and theatrical cut rating. For me, I would have given the theatrical cut a four out of 10. Like, Damn. if I'm being realistic. That's ruthless. If I'm being a realistic, I give it a four out of 10. I love it. The Snyder Cut, after watching it, I give it a 7.4. I feel like it's a good but not great film. And I think that's where a lot of these superhero films, as much as I love them, I feel like a lot of them fall into the good, not great category. Okay. That's fair. How about you, Chris? What would you give the Snyder Cut? So I gave the theatrical cut, I gave it like a straight up two out of 10 from what I remember. <laughs> because I really did not like it and it made no damn sense. <laughs> For this one, because it's like a four-hour movie, I'm going to give it a 6.5. Mm, damn, what's that? Like, I'm not in love with it at all, but I respect all the effort and all the energy that was put in there. But like making this four hours long, god damn. Like this man really wanted it to be a TV miniseries. Yeah. Like, he was really going for it. Yeah. So, I guess so then, for me, I think I gave the theatrical version just a 5 out of 10. It was neither here nor there. It just kind of existed for me. Some things I like. Well, actually, the things I ended up liking were all from the Snyder Cut. <laughs> all Snyder's oh. versions, so. Yeah. <laughs> and then, for the Snyder Cut itself, I'm going to give it a 7.9 out of 10. Ooh. So, basically, there were a lot of things that I liked about it. Definitely made a lot more sense than the theatrical cut. I enjoyed it thoroughly a lot more. Just little nitpicky things that could have been better like some song choices here and there some scenes that could have been trimmed or just cut out completely but overall I immensely enjoyed this item more it just yeah Snyder could have easily chopped this down to a three hour movie and it would have honestly been perfect alright let's move into Hot Take City <music> 
All right, Chris, let's start off with you. What are your hot takes for this week? The only one I really have is after getting a studio head to confirm that they're not doing the air cut, I think that David Ayer should just go write it up, post it on Medium, what he was originally intending to do, and just let the people decide from there. Because Suicide Squad is not, like, integral enough to go and, like, reshoot that entire thing just to put it on HBO Max. And also, they're already doing, like, a soft reboot slash sequel. Yeah. Like, come on, man. Just let it go. This wasn't your piece de resistance. Yeah. This is the hill you need to be standing on, bro. Yeah. And I think an article even came out soon after that movie was released that they basically made David Ayer write the script for the movie in like six weeks. Yeah. That's crazy. I don't know what he's complaining about. I think he's just seeing someone else do it and he's like, yo, I can jump in on this gravy train too. All right. Yeah. Like I would tell him, okay, you can do it, but you have to digitally remove all of Jared Leto's weird face tattoos. (laughs) Or just digitally remove Jared Leto. Jared Leto. Jared Leto as a whole. (laughs) Just scrub him out and just put on. Too. Just replace his laugh with Mark Hamill's and we're good. <laughs> yeah. All right. Shiva, how about you? Any hot takes for you? My hot take is that every character in this movie has an MCU counterpart. Superman is Captain America because in Civil War, the government is after Captain America. In Batman vs. Superman, which came out the same year, he has to go on trial at the Senate or whatever. The government's after him. The government hates both of them. Bruce Wayne is Tony Stark because they're both rich. And obviously, in those two movies I just mentioned, they were rivals. Batman vs. Superman and Iron Man vs. Captain America. The Flash Ash is Spider-Man because he's like the young guy that like the rich guy is taking under his wing and bankrolling all his stuff and also he like is really immature and just keeps talking during the battle and doesn't understand the seriousness of battle and obviously if the Flash is Spider-Man that means Iris West is Zendaya Lois Lane is Sharon Carter Wonder Woman is Captain Marvel Cyborg is War Machine Aquaman is Thor because they both have long hair because Lex Luthor is the arch nemesis of Superman and the Red Skull is the arch nemesis of Captain America, that means Lex Luthor is the Red Skull, and for the exact same reason of having an arch nemesis, Joker is the Mandarin, Hawkeye is Hippolyta because she uses the arrow of Artemis and he shoots a bow and arrow, Alfred is Vision because Jarvis acts like a virtual butler for Iron Man, Martian Manhunter is Secretary Ross because one of them is the Secretary of State and the other one's Secretary of Defense, Steppenwolf is Loki, Darkseid is Thanos, and most importantly of all, Commissioner Gordon is J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah, the Loki. Wouldn't that be Ocean Master? Oh, 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 I see what you mean. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Exactly. So there's two different ways to, yeah, that's a good point. There's two different ways to view it. Yes, obviously, Aquaman yeah. being Thor because they have long hair, a little bit silly, but I just wanted one of the main six Avengers and one of the main six, you know, Justice League. In terms of you, Steppenwolf and Darkseid, the reason I said Steppenwolf is Loki and Darkseid is Thanos is because, like, if you look at Avengers 1 and you look at right, this right, movie, right, right, right. same thing. Like, you have, yeah, yeah, yeah Loki is the villain the whole time, and the very last second, Thanos is kind of there behind the scenes, kind of like Darkseid at the end. So that's kind of why I said that. But that's a good point about Ocean Master. I totally forgot yeah. about I was like who the hell is Ocean Master <laughs> <laughs> I mean yeah <laughs> I mean, yeah, for this movie, made sense. You have two yeah, no, horned right, villains right. with an army of aliens bankrolled by a bigger big bad, and the middleman is a guy in a hood. Exactly. Yeah, you're, exactly. Right. you're right. You're right. You're right. All right. So that's my hot take. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Shiva. Jeff, how about you? Superman is cucking his enemies too hard. Superman, while he is egregiously powerful, his enemies should also match his strength. It seems like ever since Man of Steel, he has yet to face anyone who 
was even close to contending to even making him think that he may have to check his watch about how long this fight is taking. There's just no worry when he shows up. And even still, you look at Doomsday and you're like, damn, they still imply that he's going to come back. And there's just this essence of, all right, if we're really going to have Superman just be unable to come right back, there's just no stopping him. He dies. We're going to bring him back. You can't stop him. What are we going to do? He needs to stop cucking these dudes and he needs to start fighting competent, interesting villains. Darkseid has a chance. He looked a little weak. I'm hoping he steps up to the plate. We need if that ominous him. feel again. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, there's Let's no bring in, like Parasite to like sort of weaken him mm -hmm. uh, and make Superman, I guess, less power down so Parasite has an equal chance of footing. Maybe, Brainiac. I don't know. Yeah, bring Brainiac in. I've been dying Dude, to see Brainiac I, on the I green thought screen. they were going to do Brainiac. I think Brainiac is, without a doubt, the most interesting villain they could possibly do. I would have loved to see Brainiac for a Man of yeah. Steel sequel. I yeah. think he's the great overarching background villain because I remember when they had the Justice League animated TV show, they did a whole plot based around Darkseid and Brainiac and all that. And that too. was such a cool plot device. You're just like, oh, okay. It's like, oh, yeah. And it, it even fits. It's like, yeah, Darkseid got fucked up when he came to Earth. And, you know, he was looking for the anti-life equation, found Mega Space Robot 5, and now he's back. And you're like, oh, shit. And then Brainiac's the one controlling him. And it's just, they got to pay us to write this up. So. Yeah. <laughs> for real. Me and Chris have been saying that since day one. Like, yo, put <laughs> us in there. We will be your Kevin Feige's. Yo, like, <laughs> let's go. We will steer this ship right. Exactly. You got great ideas, man. I actually think that the Dark Knight trilogy was a great thing at the time for DC, but ended up backfiring on DC long term because I've heard rumors, and this might actually be true, I've just forgotten the details, that even in the early 2000s, DC was thinking of doing a shared universe, but then the success of Batman Begins and the Dark Knight changed their mind, and they were like, we'll just do the solo Batman route for now, and then they kind of put those plans for shared universe on hold, and then after the Dark Knight trilogy, they're like, okay, let's reboot this because now Marvel has Iron Man and everything, and then that's how they ended up being behind Marvel in the end, is because they kind of waited until after the Dark Knight trilogy was over. Bro. Know, Batman has so much power, you can just keep pushing out the trilogies, it's absurd. Bro, they had George Miller doing a Justice League movie in like 07 that they scrapped. Yeah. Like George Miller, like the guy who did Mad Max. They had a bunch of people on hold for that movie and everybody got cut a check for that too. They had Army Hammer ready to play Batman, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Which looking back, that decision to not happen is aged pretty well. <laughs> oh, these Batman will be eating people now. All right, Brandon, do you have any other hot takes to add to this show? I have been catching up on some other Warner Brothers stuff. I mean, I've been rewatching the Justice League cartoon, but I've also had a chance to dive into some other WBIP, namely the Animaniacs reboot. And I just have to say that that is fucking hilarious. It is nice to have those characters back, to have the cast back. And of course, them completely staying in character, not skipping a beat and staying with the meta nature of their jokes, even in the freaking theme song. Like, like I mean, here's an excerpt from the theme song. Dot has wit and yakko yaks. Wacko packs away the snacks. Our careers have made comebacks. We're animaniacs. Meet Pinky and the brain who wants to rule the universe. A brand new cast who tested well in focus group research. Gender balanced, pronoun neutral, and ethnically diverse. The trolls will say we're so passe, but we did meta first. It's it's just fucking great. They <laughs> like, spit in. They, yeah. yeah, they, they, they spit in, bro. Yeah, they spit in rhymes. Damn. They drop in bars. <laughs> this shit is fucking great. They wrote it in 2018, so they're still punching a lot in the earlier episodes at 45, but with the election over and the change in administration, they're probably going to change their jokes for the second season. But a lot of the stuff was like them acknowledging that this is before we know the outcome of the election. We don't know what the landscape is going to be. We might as well get these jokes off. But yeah, Animaniacs reboot, I think, is pretty fun, pretty interesting. Give it a shot. It's a Hulu exclusive. Oh, okay. All right. So I guess then for my hot
hot takes. As we all said before, I really do hope that the Snyderverse continues, just maybe not with Snyder the Helm, but DC needs a Kevin Feige. Let's turn the tide. Let's bring that ship into shore, man. Let's get it done. And CW is just really wild in with these shows. They got the Powerpuff Girls live action reboot. I really hope they get the prosthetics from the Planet of the Apes movie from like 2002 <laughs> to do Mojo Jojo right. Let's get it. Powerpuff Girls. Let's bring in like a sexy major and Miss Bellum. Please never show her face, actually. Never show her face. face. Never show her face. Let's do this. Keep continuity. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just waiting to see what kind of crazy shit they pull in this live action reboot. Like, I already know Fuzzy Lumpkins is going to be a furry. Like, the gang Green Gan is going to, I don't know, have all these gender pronouns that will be like politically correct. The Rowdy Rough Boys. I'm curious what they're going to do with the Rowdy Rough Boys. That's going to be funny. Yeah. Especially if they make one of the characters LGBTQ, which I'm 100% sure either one of them has to be. Buttercup. Probably buttercup. That's too easy. <laughs> it writes itself, man. I mean, it's the CW. You can just assume at some point. Yeah. Just sure. like a Riverdale. True. I yeah. kind of tend not to look at Riverdale in a lot of those shows, <laughs> except for Black Lightning, which also kind of goes back to your point, doesn't it? Yeah. Go that brings ahead. you to a nice hot take. The recastings lately for the DC CW shows have been wild and out lately. Like Black Lightning, they exploded. China Ale to get a new face. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> so random. In Flash, you got Ralph Dimney, whose face melted off at one point so they could recast the actor. And now in Batwoman, to recast Ruby Rose, they also had her go full Days of Our Lives with it and just get like a random face transplant. In a world of multiverses, you couldn't just get another version of that character. You had to go full Days of Our Lives with it, superhero version. But it's gonna be wild seeing how this paid off. But I just find it so interesting that they just went full soap opera with it. It's crazy that they went and they smashed those worlds together and they're just like, we're not really together, you guys. Come on. Yeah. And that is it for Hot Takes. All right, let's get some social media plugs in here. Jeff, where can the people find you on social media? They can find me on Twitter at OR215. They can also follow me at Scrapitude on YouTube at Scrapitude Philly. You'll find me getting into all sorts of shenanigans with Timothy E. Lewis. That's him on Twitter. We're always getting into some absurdities. It's a great time. So if you enjoy this, you'll enjoy that. And it's a good mix. So check it out. Thanks, Jeff. And thank you for joining us. Shiva, where can the people find you on social media? The only public social media I have is Twitter. My Twitter handle is Massey4Alum. That's spelled M. A-S-E-E-H the number 4 A-L-U-M and I tweet about nothing specific all sorts of random things that do not all fit in one category so feel free to follow me anyway. Great, great. Thank you for joining us on this episode Shiva. Brandon, where can the people find you? The people can find me on Twitter at B-C-K-E-S-S-O and on Instagram at L-D Chocolate. Thank you Brandon and Chris, where can the people find you? People can find me on Twitter and Instagram at C-W-L-K-R-2-0. Alright, thank you and the people can find me on Twitter at S-H-1-T-J-A-Y-L-O-W-S-A-Y-S and on Instagram at J-D-L-A-92. All right, guys. Thank you all for joining us. Thanks to our two special guests for joining us in this very special episode. And that's all, folks. Good night. Hey, everyone. This is Chris with the Fact Check. Within the first 39 days of its release, 3.7 million households had watched the Snyder Cut. Ray Fisher will be in the ABC miniseries Women of the Movement, which focuses on Mamie Till Mobley seeking justice for her son Emmett. 
A cyborg solo movie remains in limbo. Granted, Fisher has stated he'd be interested in returning to the character if Walter Hamada and Jeff Johns are not involved, along with an apology from Warner Brothers for the mishandling of the Justice League investigations. As well, his preferred directors on the project are Zack Snyder and Rick Famuyiwa. On that note, Fisher is no longer slated to appear in the Flash solo film, slated for release in November 2022. However, Michael Keaton is confirmed to return as Bruce Wayne. Emily in Paris is nominated for Emmys and Outstanding Comedy Series and Outstanding Production Design for a narrative program half an hour or less. See, we did it. Death of Superman has been adapted into three different animated movies, 2007's Superman Doomsday, The Death of Superman in 2018, and 2019's Reign of the Supermen. In the Heights star Leslie Grace is set to portray Barbara Gordon in an HBO Max Batgirl movie for the 2022-23 release window. The film will be directed by Bad Boys for Life directors Adil El Arbi and Bilal Falah. In mid-August, Journey Smollett confirmed via Instagram Birds of Prey is not a one-off movie anymore, with a Black Canary spin-off in the works with Lovecraft Country writer Misha Green. Although Ben Affleck returned for the Snyder Cut reshoots because of his relationship with Zack Snyder and will also be in the 2022 Flash movie after being impressed with the script, it is inconclusive if he would return to the role after his last commitment. It's been rumored that the Cambridge native would be interested only if Snyder is attached to a project, but hasn't really been substantiated in reality. In January 2021, Marvel Studios' Kevin Feige reiterated that Deadpool 3 will be rated R, like its predecessors, and will be set in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Filming is likely to commence in late 2022. In early August, Suicide Squad actors Margot Robbie and Joel Kinnaman acknowledged that they'd like to see the air cut of the film on the eve of the soft reboot slash sequels release. Pictures of new scenes from the movie's air cut have made the rounds online, so maybe Air is taking a play from Zack Snyder's playbook to get his version released too. The Powerpuff Girls live-action CW show is being completely redone after images and the script leaked to negative reactions, which is a fair reception. Jose is still making fun of it. Look it up, it's all still out there, it's pretty bad. That said, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s Chloe Bennett, who was slated to play Blossom, exited the show in August due to scheduling conflicts with other projects and reshooting the pilot. And that's the fact check for today. Thank you for listening. And that's our show. Nerdcraft Nation is a partner of Pub Square Media and is hosted by Austin Hall, Jose Lopez, Brandon Kessley, and Chris Walker. Our theme music was composed by Daniel Ferris. If you would like to keep up with the show, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Nerdcraft Nation, like us on Facebook, or subscribe on your podcast app of choice. Be sure to leave a review if you can. If you would like to send us a voice message, please check out our show notes for a link to our voicemail inbox.